This episode of Relativity is made possible through the support of Stephen and Catherine Farris, Bill Cariola, and Michael W. McClure, and by listeners like you, who support us through Patreon. Learn how you can support this series and get exclusive content by visiting patreon.com relativity. I was alone in the habitat, you know, and I heard something, a strange blend of sounds that I have never heard before. There are many possible explanations for that. I know, yes, but in those sounds there was a voice, a woman's voice. It was the captain. Relativity, episode 11, in which some feelings of guilt are misplaced. It seems to me there are several likely explanations for what you experienced. I I know, but Sophia, I have to tell you, it was extremely clear. And did I mention she called me by name? You heard a voice that sounded like the captain and she said... Christopher, just like that, which is what she always called me. Never Chris or Dr. Mason or hey you or anything else. Christopher. An auditory hallucination could be that precise. In fact, I would expect that it would be. And I... I see that, because I do really, really want to hear her calling my name. I know that. Understandable. So it makes sense that sooner or later I would hear or think that I hear exactly that. I'm afraid so, yes. And if she is, if there's any chance she's still alive, then who went out through the airlock? And why did she write a suicide note? And where would she even be exactly that she can call to me in the habitat when I don't see anybody? Exactly. The probability quickly reduces to zero, or very nearly zero, that... Except, see, the habitat is gigantic, and there are lots of places for people to hide. You've already searched it. You you said you've already searched it. I went around it calling people's names, but Sophia, you of all people know the size of it. I mean, it has, my my God, a, a whole forest growing in there. It still seems extremely unlikely that Captain Sedana would be hiding somewhere in the habitat and then calling out to you. But what if she was hurt? Maybe she wasn't conscious when I was in there before. I gotta go back. I'm going back to the habitat. Dr. Mason, do not leave the bridge. I'm going back. You just acknowledged how extremely unlikely that is, and you know our top priority must be the evaluation of damage so we can begin repairs. Look, if you thought somebody you loved had died and then you heard their voice, wouldn't you at least try to find out where that voice came from? You tell me while I open this hatch the rest of the way. Chris... You are not employing sound judgment. I'm following my heart. Haven't you ever followed your heart? You just kicked off as hard as you can, didn't you? Into total darkness. It's not total. I can sort of see some things. You must be traveling at a minimum of... Uh, Look, I mean, I know you can't see what I'm doing, but... I'm at the hub already, and I'm threading my way right through the central passage. I didn't hit anything. I'm still zooming along. Your skill is admirable, but you said there was all manner of debris still floating in that corridor. Little things. If I crash into anything, it's very unlikely that I'm going to break it. I'm not concerned about your harming the corridor or any debris. I'm concerned about a collision which might do injury to you. Oh, well, that's... I, I appreciate that. I, I forget sometimes that people back there actually care about what happens to me. Of course we do. As infuriating as you may be sometimes, you are the most vital part of this mission. Oh, well, thank you, I guess. Don't thank me. 
You're the only living human on board. Of course you're the most vital. I like the earlier version better. And you require the most supervision because you joined the mission at the last minute, so received the least amount of training, despite which the entire mission now depends on you. You think that isn't infuriating to me too? I know I'm the least qualified person to be in this position, and I know the whole world is depending on me to deliver what everybody else calls the cargo. Hang on. I'm at the Ford hatch. Good. Now do not enter your code. Crash! Don't move! Why? What happened? Are you about to kick off into full force like you did last time? No. You were. After I just told you to be more careful. Sophia, this may be a rescue mission. If so, you'll want to arrive without sustaining head injury along the way. The emergency lights are on in the main shaft. Enough for you to see all the way into the next hatch? No. Listen, earlier today you agreed that in the future you were going to do what I told you. Did I really? Yes! Okay, then, then, then tell me what at this moment you want me to do. I know you want to get to the habitat and... I am not trying to stop you, but just take it slowly, all right? Don't fling yourself into the air putting your trust in dumb luck. Okay. Okay? Okay. I am pushing off with normal effort now. I am, of course, trusting that you've actually done what you said you were doing. Oh, I did. I am floating along on a rescue mission at roughly one meter per minute. I'm sure that's an exaggeration. Only a slight one. Well, gives us a moment to talk. I'm switching to the private channel. Are, are you there? I am. Listen, I thought we agreed we were going to consider our relationship a symbiosis and not a competition. We did. I agree. That's, that's what I want. We agree that most of the time, our relative roles being what they are, that's going to mean you doing what I, what I advise you to do. You're the flight director. I respect that totally and completely. Then why do you do the opposite of what I tell you? I don't mean to. It's not personal. I don't follow orders from anybody. And this is not a military mission. You're not my commanding officer or anything. But you and everyone else agreed to a structure, an organization. That doesn't seem to matter to you, so I want to try a different approach. I was told I'd be a valuable member of this crew because I'm self-motivated. Okay, but listen, earlier today, you said you care about how I feel. Oh, I do. And I know what you've been through the past two days, the worst two days of your life. And and so have you, right? I've actually had worse. That's where I'm going with this. Worse than, worse than gunmen breaking in and shooting people? Yes. I mean, at, at the risk of telling you things you already know, life on Earth has gotten much worse. Much worse much more difficult in the last few years. And it was a nightmare when we left orbit. High temperature here in Arecibo yesterday was 51 degrees. Celsius. Yes. So, yes, with massive floods in some places and actual wars being fought for control of water in other places... Oh, you don't have to tell me about that. Well, the staggering loss of life and new diseases, of course, since that always happens with radical shifts in climate, and I told you what the list of viruses is like, and I told you it... He took my father. You did tell me that. I'm sorry. And, see, you remind me of him. You're almost exactly the same age, for one thing. I thought you were really young. Age, of course, being relative. But my father, he was... He was smart. 
and funny and wise. I like the comparison. And he was one of those guys who'd yell at you and then apologize, and you felt like you were supposed to forgive him, even though you knew he was just going to do it again tomorrow. Ouch. Okay, that's that's fair. Uh, oh, and I'm about halfway to the junction, by the way, but, but you were saying about your father. I loved him. He was... He's a good man. A man who wanted all the best for his daughters and made sure we got it. He sounds great. I mean, except for his poor anger management. He was great. And I miss him. And sometimes... You do remind me of him to an eerie degree, and that's... I thought I should be honest about that and let you know that... If you really do care about how I feel, then... I need you to just... I don't know, be aware of that. Please. And see, I messed that up completely. I messed what up? You know, I'm not good about talking about feelings, but this time it was just so important. I mean, it's getting in the way of my work. And That was great. You were honest and you shared something deeply personal. But as long as I'm in the flight director's chair, my job is to deal with the facts and I'd like to keep my feelings out of it entirely if I can. Sure, and I respect that. Right now it's just... Look, I have something else going on with my family now, and I don't want to talk about it, but I just need you to know that it's it's hard for me, personally, when you won't let me keep you safe and healthy after I just let my father die, so I really need you to just... Whoa, 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 let your father die? He'd gotten the preventative medicine. He required medicine that I had access to. It's an incurable illness. Sophia, there was nothing you could do. I should not have allowed him to be infected. Oh. Sophia, I'm so sorry, but... Look, everybody who loses somebody goes through a, a... The hell? What was that? Can you tell what happened? No, the the lights are flickering and some parts of the bulkhead are are swaying. Sophia, everything is shuddering like 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 the whole ship is tearing itself apart. Relativity, episode 11, in which some feelings of guilt are misplaced. Starred Alana Jordan and Lee Shackelford, who also wrote the script. Find out much more about this series at relativitypodcast.com. Relativity.